Welcome to the Lolly Steelers podcast here on the DK Podcast Network. I'm Dale Lolly. Chris Carter is off today. Had some family things uh, to take care of here uh, this weekend. But uh, so you're stuck with me. But you know what? Uh, this is the perfect time to uh, to talk about what's been happening with the Steelers during OTA sessions. I have been at uh, the Steelers just uh, wrapped up uh, their, what would that be, the sixth OTA section uh, this week. They had uh, three last week, three this week. Um, I've been at five of the six. Carter went to the uh, sixth one. Uh, so I've seen quite a bit of this team thus far. I was also at every day of rookie minicamp. And I know the big question for everyone is, what exactly is this offense going to look like? And I can tell you from, uh, you know, what I've seen, the people that we've talked to, uh, they're on record uh, saying a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, the offensive lineman talking about driving people off the football. Uh, we heard B.J. Finney this week talk about uh, Matt Canada's offense, uh, trying to put the, off, the, the offensive lineman in position to where they're going to be able to run the ball more effectively. What does that mean? Well, I think when you look around the league right now, a lot of what you see is a lot of teams using jet sweep motion, uh, things of that nature. Um, even if you don't hand the football off all the time to that guy on the jet sweep motion, um, what that does, and we saw the Steelers use this early last season and then kind of, uh, kind of scrap it at times because uh, I just, I just, they didn't have enough time to work on it effectively um, over the course of, of, of 14 practices during a, a, a training camp in which they were also preparing for a new season because they hadn't had any, they didn't have the OTAs that they're having right now. So they had some, some remnants of it here and there, but it just wasn't enough to, to, to make it something that they could do, you know, on a regular basis. But anyways, so picture this folks, you got Tyree kill or another fast guy in the slot or set out wide. He starts in motion uh, at, at running at full speed across the formation just before the snap. In the Steelers case, it could be Ray Ray McLeod. It could be Deontay Johnson. It could be Anthony McFarland. Think about that. Um, okay, so you get, the, you get your back in the backfield. You got your jet sweep motion. And you've got a guy screaming across the formation at the snap of the football. Now, if I'm going from right to left, that left defensive end, is he going to be crashing on that play to stop the run? I don't think so. He has to respect that, that the, there's the possibility that that, that uh, guy coming across the formation, the jet sweep motion, could get the football. So he's going to have to hesitate a little bit. You could also see if it's a receiver, someone out wide, whoever is, is running in man-to-man -man defense with them, if the defense is in man-to-man, -man, uh, they've got to get across the formation with that guy. And can they do that, sift through all the trash? The linebackers maybe have to take a step backwards to allow that guy underneath them, or he goes over the top of them. If he goes over the top of them, he's going to be late getting to the corner. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of different ways that you can make use that to make that effective. And it freezes the defense. People talk about play action. The Steelers have traditionally not been a big play action team. Jet sweep motion is play action. Whether you hand the ball to the, to the, the, the guy on the jet sweep or not, it may not be necessarily counted as, as play action formation, 
or a play action play, but it absolutely is. Even if you don't fake the handoff, you're freezing the defense by using a guy on play action. He's play actioning across the formation. It's just a different way of doing it. Um, you know, so you do that and then you either hand the football to that guy in the jet sweep motion, or maybe you hand it to Najee Harris in the backfield because you've just frozen the linebackers a little bit. You've, you've made the, the defensive lineman kind of, whoa, they got to, they got to stop and look and see if that ball's going to again, an Anthony McFarland, who's a, a four, four guy coming across the formation. Uh, then maybe you don't hand the ball off to Najee Harris. Now you've really frozen the defense. You've double, essentially double play actioned in that situation. Now you've really slowed down the defensive pass rush. So people ask, how can the Steelers offensive line be better uh, in 2021 with some of the guys they lost and some of the guys they are plugging in? That's how, folks. You know, this is, this is not rocket science here. There are ways to do this. Now, you may look at that and say, well, Dale, why didn't they do this more last season? Why, didn't, why haven't they done this in the past? They've used jet sweep motion in the past, whether it be in Todd Haley's offense, whether it be in Randy Feekner's offense. It hasn't been a staple, though, like it's going to be now. It's going to be a staple of this offense. You're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion. You're going to see a lot of these, these kind of things. And sometimes Ben Roethlisberger will be under center. Sometimes he won't. You can do these things again when the when the quarterback is in a shotgun. Then all of a sudden, though, it's not you know necessarily a play action run. It's not jet sweep run. Then it's a you know it's, it's a shovel pass to the wide receiver. There are, there are different things that you can do off of this in, in this offense that make it more effective and help you again just make the defense delay for a moment uh, what what they're trying to do in these situations. So. I think that's something you're going to see a lot of this year. Uh, and, you know, the Steelers have obviously been working on it. Um, you know, we've, we've posted videos on our YouTube page. You can see those there of what they've been working on. You see a lot of Najee Harris on there because I know people want to see a lot of Najee Harris. I've shot a ton of video of him thus far, um, you know, going through drills, doing things that, uh, you know, the running back drills, uh, just the things that they're working on with him and the other running backs. Uh, this kid's going to be dynamic. Uh, to me, when I look at this, uh, you know, ESPN.com put out a thing this week, the top 25 biggest off-season additions uh, or improvements, I should say. Now, they didn't include any, any rookies on that list. So you didn't, for example, get to see, well, Jacksonville added, you know, a, a starting quarterback uh, that should be an upgrade or the Steelers, for example, at a running back who's clearly an upgrade over what they had at the running back position uh, prior to, you know, this season. Um, he's going to be a big addition, folks. He's going to be a big, big addition. The people who, who've been killing the Steelers for selecting a running back in the first round, I think by about midseason might be eating their words on that one because this kid's special. Uh, and not just in the running game. I've seen him make some catches. Uh, in the passing game thus far. And I realize they're, they're playing in shorts. Nobody's hitting anybody. Uh, but the, he goes up and high points to football. He gets down the sideline. He's a special, special player. I think Steeler fans are going to be really happy with this draft pick. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, I see a lot of number 22 jerseys in the stadium this year. Um, you know, it, it, again, 
I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Steeler fans always, always, always embrace the running back, whether it be Jerome Bettis, Franco Harris, Rocky Blyer, uh, Sidney Thornton, for God's sake. So you can go on, on down the line of guys that they've embraced at the, uh, at the running back position. Um, and this is, this kid's going to be the next one. Um, and that makes life easier. All of this makes life easier on Ben Roethlisberger. We heard from Ben Roethlisberger this week and he seems kind of reinvigorated by all of this. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it sounds easy as well, Dale, he's, you know, he sounds that way all the time at this, this kind of, this, this time of season really doesn't because usually he doesn't talk at this time of the year. We usually wouldn't hear from Ben Roethlisberger until the mandatory minicamp. The reason why we heard from him this time around, because he's in camp. He's at the OTAs. He found that he thought it was important for him to be there and has been there uh, pretty regularly throughout the process because he's learning the offense as well. And he wants those young guys to see him, to know him. Uh, You know, he wants to interact with these guys and learn more about them. So, uh, he's all in on this season. He said it earlier this week, you know, he's all in on this season because this is the next one. Now, whether this is his last one or not, only he really knows that. I tend to think that maybe it is, but let's say he goes out and has a, a great year. Could he want to come back for another one? Would the Steelers want him back for another season? Absolutely. If he has a good season, why wouldn't you want him back? And, you know, I think the Steelers, when you look at it, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, there's some national pundits out there. Oh, the, the Bengals are going to be better. Steelers could finish behind the Bengals. On what planet? On what planet? Because I'll tell you what, folks, th- th- this is a good football team. This is a team that went 12-4 and four a year ago. Yes, they faded down the stretch because they couldn't run the football. Not because they didn't want to run the football, because they couldn't run the football. Couldn't. Couldn't's a bad thing in the NFL. When everybody knows that you can't do it, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. Teams adjusted to what the Steelers were doing early in the season. And at that point, the Steelers were unable to do anything about it because they were what they were. But Ben Roethlisberger is throwing the football better this year than he was a year ago. Even in training camp, we heard Mike Tomlin last year a couple of times in training camp talk about how the ball was kind of, he wasn't seeing the tight, tight spiral from Roethlisberger in training camp. We're seeing the tighter spirals now. He's throwing the football down the field. You can see the confidence there. So I think it's going to be a, a, a much different year. I don't know that they're going to win the 12 games that they won a year ago, but they might be a better football team, at least offensively. Defensively, we'll see. I think they got some guys that need to step up and, and, and play different roles, but they don't need to be a shutdown defense if the offense plays better than it did a year ago. If they're a top eight, a top 10 defense, that's good enough because they'll get to the quarterback. They'll rush the quarterback, get the quarterback on the ground, and they'll take the football away. Minka Fitzpatrick's not going anywhere. Joe Hayden's not going anywhere. They get Devin Bush back, another guy that takes the football away. T.J. Watt can be better than he was a year ago taking the football away. We've seen him do it. So this could be, uh, you know, again, if, you're, if, you, if you get takeaways, that's just as good as stops, defensive stops. So. You know, I, I think the, the Canada offense, I like what I've seen thus far. I think it will be interesting. I think teams are going to have to adjust to the Steelers again, and then we'll see what kind of adjustments the Steelers are, are able to make off of the adjustments that teams make to them. It's like, it's like a baseball player second time through the, through the league. Pitchers adjust to you. Now what do you do 
to adjust to what they're doing to you now. Are you capable of doing that? That's that tells the difference or says whether you stick in the majors or whether you have to go back to the minors for a little more seasoning until you figure out how to make those adjustments. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, we'll be back more. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, my friend Tunch Yokin. He retired this week uh, after uh, 37 years of playing and then broadcasting NFL football games. Going to miss Tunch a lot. We'll talk more about that right after this. I'm Dale Lolly. This is the Lolly Steelers Podcast on the DK Podcast Network. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lolly here on the Lolly Steelers podcast. Chris Carter is off this weekend, has some uh, personal business to take care of. We'll get Chris back uh, next week and uh, we'll have all the coverage for you here of the ongoing Steelers uh, minicamp and uh, OTAs as they fi- finish up uh, here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but one thing that I did want to talk about um, that uh, is very near and dear to my heart, um, Tunch Yokin, the Steelers' longtime uh, broadcaster, the color color analyst, longtime player, I believe 12 seasons playing for the Steelers, and then uh, the last 23 seasons or 24 uh, playing or, or, or serving as the team's color analyst on the on the radio broadcast. Um, really, really touching um, scene on Thursday after Tunch had announced uh, his retirement on Steelers.com. Uh, obviously, we wrote something about that. Um, Tunch came out uh, and watched uh, some practice on uh, on Thursday. He was there with with Art Rooney II. Uh, his wife was there with him. Uh, his his second that's his second wife. Of course, his first wife, um, Sharon, had, had died uh, back in 2012 after a lengthy battle with cancer. Uh, so he was there with his with his uh, second wife, um, Karen. And uh, of course, Wolf, Craig Wolfley was there with him as well. And they're watching practice. And, you know, I look down and, and Tunch is down there and, and, and he you know, obviously uh, he's dealing with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, has been for uh, over a year now. And it just uh, looked down there and, and couldn't help but, but feel for the man. Uh, he's a friend. He, he's a... a, a, a he, you know, when you when you work in this business like this, you consider people, even though you work for different organizations, your coworkers, you see them every day. I mean, think about it like this. Um, you know, you have people who work for different media outlets. And so you're competing on a daily basis, but you're also there with them on a daily basis. You see them every day. So you, you form friendships. Tunch and I aren't, we're, you know, we're never competing or anything like that. He's, he's one of the guys that's just there. And if you had a question about something, Hey, Tunch, what did you think of this? Or what, what do you think of that? Or, you know, how's this guy playing? Well, how's that guy? You could go to Tunch and ask, and he would explain it to you. Um, always in a very positive way. If he didn't think a guy was playing particularly well, he would tell you, but in, in a kind of a positive way. Um, but you could read between the lines with him when you know him as long, as long as I have. Um, so I'm looking down there and I, and I can see it's, it's a private moment for Tunch. This might be the last time he goes to a Steeler practice because he's got way bigger things to worry about with his life. Now, certainly the Steelers will, will have open arms with him. And if he wants to come out and watch a practice, he's more than welcome. 
but this might be the last time. It might be the last one. And so I'm, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's down at the other end of the, uh, of the balcony that overlooks the hundred yard playing field there that, uh, that, you know, they use. So he's, you know, 75 yards away from us and I'm watching practice. And then I look and there's touch and he came down um, to this, to say hello to the, to the media people there. And folks, I'm kind of tearing up right now, just thinking about it. Um, thank goodness I had my sunglasses on um, because I didn't want to see him. I didn't want him to see me upset because I was seeing him like that. Um, to see a friend, uh, you know, somebody that you, you really care about um, and know what he's going through. Uh, you know, know that, that, that you know, he's, he's retiring. He's walking away from something he loves, something he spent more than half of his life um, around what that what it means for him to you know the, he and wolf did the show in the locker room that name was meaningful for them because for them they were in the locker room and they would have players on and they would you know talk about the old times they would talk with the young you know the, the new next generation those guys all knew him because he was always around um yeah uh for years on the uh, on the team flights uh for a long time the steelers uh took a lot of the local media with them on, on their team plane. They had obviously a big plane and it was something that the Cowboys started back in the sixties. The Steelers picked up on it and started taking media members for, it went on for 30 or 40 years, uh, probably 30, 30 plus years where they, they would take members of the media with them on their team flight. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people when I was still working at the observer reporter and my seat was always right in front of Tunch and Wolf. Um, you know, so I, again, just around those guys, ch chatting with them, watching them bicker like, a, like an old married couple, because that's what they do. I mean, they just poke each other because they've known each other for so long. And I, I yeah, this is, uh, this is extremely difficult on Tunch and his family. It's equally so for Wolf and, and his family because those two really are brothers. It's that, it's that bond that you form um, with the teammate. Uh, and those two were, were, were teammates for a long time. They were roommates, um, it, it, you know, as rookies at training camp on the road, their families hang out together. Uh, Wolf says his mom considers Wolf has two other brothers. Uh, his mom considers Tunch her fourth son it's really difficult. And so again, so there was Tunch in front of me and I gave him a hug. I shook his hand and I said, Hey, bud, congratulations. I've always appreciated you. And as he's walking away, I thought, boy, I, I can't believe I just congratulated a guy who was forced into retirement because he has ALS. Um, and it just tugged at me you know, the rest of the day. As I was driving back to my house. I thought, you know what? Tunch should be congratulated because he spent 30, 37 years of his life doing what he loves. Um, how many of us are that lucky? How many of us are that lucky? Not many, not many. And, you know, he did it his way. He did it with class always. Um, and, and he did it 
with with a great amount of poise. Um, you know, when, when he lost when he lost his wife, um, you know, I went to the funeral home uh, back in 2012, and you know, seeing Tunshare with his with his three children, um, it just lost his his college sweetheart. Um, they had been together for for 30 years. Uh, it's just such a difficult time uh, to lose your wife, your mother, uh, for the children. Um, but he handled it with dignity and he handled it with class like Tunch always did. Um, just so proud to be able to call the guy a friend. Um, it's not going to be the same this year. It just won't love the guy to death. Um, I, I can tell another story. Uh, again, it was, a, it's a team flight and, there was a one, there was a certain media member who worked for a television station in, in town who wasn't a normal member who didn't usually travel on the team flight. Well, on this particular occasion, because it was right around Christmas, he asked the Steelers if he could, if he could hop on the plane to go back to Pittsburgh. And they said, yes, which they typically, they did that quite a bit for people. They would, you know, if they had room on a flight, flight, they would, they would help you get back to, 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 to Pittsburgh, you know, for the holiday. So we had assigned seats on the flight and all of a sudden before we get, before we get on the plane, I get a new, a new seating card. Hey Dale, you need to move here. And so I look and that media member who, again, I didn't, he and I did not see eye to eye on anything. Um, he's in my seat and they moved me back and sat me in the middle seat. Everybody had, there were two people per, per aisle. Two people per, per three, every three seats, I should say. So they move me back and I'm in the middle seat. And on one side of me is Tunch. On the other side is Jack Ham, who was, was broadcasting the game for, I think, Westwood One at the time. And so I'm sitting there and we're all reasonably big guys. Tunch was not big for offensive tackle size, but he's still 6'2", 6'3", and you know, 230 or 40 pounds. He's big. He's big for a regular human being on the other side of me. I've got Jack Ham, who again is, is a, is a former linebacker. He's not as big as he was when he played, but he's still a reasonably big guy. And I'm in the middle, I'm six, one and I, you know, 210 pounds. Uh, and we're all jammed in there. And I look up and I, and I said to him, um, Hey, so-and-so uh, he would not sit next to me. He couldn't sit next to me because he, he hates me. And it's, you know, it's it likewise. Um, so he's in, he's in my seat and he's a little short guy uh, next to another little short guy and they've got all the room in the world. And I'm jammed in next to Tunch, who's the radio broadcast guy and the hall of fame linebacker. And we just kind of chuckled about it as well. That that's him. Uh, you know, that's that guy. Uh, he wasn't angry about it. He didn't get up and, and oh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't sit like this. No. He could have put on airs for that, for that matter, Jack Ham could have said, I'm not tripling up. Why would I triple up when those, when those two media guys aren't being forced to triple up? Didn't do it. It just wasn't, you know, what they did. Um, I apologize to them. I said, look, it's, you know, it is what it is. I, I apologize, but just, just such a, a, a great fun, loving, always just a, always had a great word to say about anybody, anybody. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to miss him dearly, going to miss him dearly. I uh, was a guest on their show some, you know, sometimes with Tunch and Wolf, did radio shows with, with Tunch and Wolf separately. Um, just, 
and I'm sure I'll, I'll still get to do some shows with Wolf, uh, you know, on the Steelers radio network. Um, but it's just not going to be the same without, without uh, Tunch. And like I said, I just tip my cap to him. Great man, a humble man, uh, a family man, uh, a God-fearing man, and somebody that, that we always, you know, should emulate. If we could all live our lives like Tunch Yilkin, um, the world would be a much better place. But uh, that's going to do it for the Lolly Steelers podcast. Uh, I hope you don't mind my my little trip uh, down the the emotional staircase there. Uh, but uh, again, I can't say enough good things about about that guy. Um, just just one you know one of my favorite people uh, in the world. It's hard not to love the guy. Um, you can uh, follow uh, along. You can you can subscribe to the uh, the DK podcast network uh wherever you uh, get your podcast at uh, we got all kinds of good stuff coming up over the course of the week you can hear dk's daily shots you can hear the uh the the hockey podcast the penn state podcast the pit podcast we got everything the pirates podcast and of course the lolly carter steelers podcast uh but that's going to do it for this one so i'm dale lolly and i appreciate you listening to this one we'll talk to you later in the week <laughs>